Hey guys, it's Simi, and this is Pro Wrestling Unlimited, as we are here on the 30th of November, the final day of November 2020, as we're going to talk about Monday Night Raw. We got baby Huey with us again. What's going on? What's going on, man? Thank you again for having me back on, and hello to to your uh, fellow audience out there. I had so much fun talking uh, SmackDown with you the other night. It's like, I got to come back and talk Raw <laughs> with you as well. Heck yeah. We're here live, twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited, youtube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And I want to thank everybody who is watching us live right now on either platform. As to be honest, for, and I've, as I look over this rundown of Raw, the most part, I feel like this was a better Raw than we've seen, I guess you could say, over the last couple of months, really. Mm hmm. I mean, there was a couple things that, well, you know, as I'm looking over my notes and whatnot, honestly, nothing really seemed... Well, I can't say nothing. There were a couple matches where I was kind of like, eh. Well, for the most part, everything seemed like it was done for a reason, which is the same thing we kind of said about SmackDown. Yeah, Things I was just going to... Yeah, I mean, the, the more I kind of think about it as well, I feel like um, some storylines that were maybe put on hold because of the build-up to Survivor Series... Um, now the Survivor Series has come and gone. Now these storylines are able to pick back up again. So just, for example, Retribution and Ricochet storyline that was able mm -hmm. to pick back up. We saw the little the little timestamps. It was like last time they did something was like three weeks ago. And so right. uh, that was right before they really kind of kicked things in the full gear for Survivor Series. But now Survivor Series done. They're able to do that. You know, main event stuff, it's starting to shake out now, and uh, the continuation of the fallout post-Survivor Series is taking place. So, yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying as far as they're finally you know, getting things in order and starting to build up uh, that road to uh, TLC, which is coming up uh, next month. And yep. so, looking forward to it. So, yeah, no, uh, solid episode of Raw as far as just getting the ball rolling and getting uh, everyone <laughs> aligned, uh, signed up on the they're different storylines building up to TLC. I want to mention Sinclair Saturday in the chat says, Wow, really, Tim? Got the Christmas tree in early? Actually, <laughs> no. I got it in late. I usually like to get it the weekend after Thanksgiving, which okay. technically I got the tree yesterday, but then I had to go today to Walmart and get a tree stand for it, so we actually got it all set up and decorated today opposed to uh -huh. over the weekend. So for me, I'm actually kind of late. <laughs> really? See, I feel like I'm slacking. So... Honestly, I was joking with my, my dad, my brother. I was like, dude, let's get a Christmas tree. And this was like last weekend. Mm -hmm. And they're like, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. And I'm like, well, everyone online is like putting up their decorations now. And I figure because of the pandemic, everyone's at home. So I guess to kill right. time, they're doing stuff a little bit earlier than normal. Uh, and, you know, the week Thanksgiving weekend has come and gone now. And I feel like now we're so behind. <laughs> I saw on Instagram, everyone posting their photos, videos, stories of their Christmas trees up. And I'm like, we got to get going, man. We got to get, get our decorations down, ke uh, catch up with everyone. It's going to be December before we know it. Yeah, because I had to wait until at least Friday because the place I usually get my tree from didn't have their trees out till Friday evening. But then okay. I was going to just go myself and get it with my car. My buddy's like, no, wait till Sunday and we'll take my truck and go get it when I'm free so you don't have to put it in your car or whatever. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll wait. <laughs> and then I get yeah, it home yeah. and I go. Oh, I don't got a tree stand. I don't know what happened to mine from last year, but I had to go buy another one. Luckily, they're only like eight bucks at Walmart. 
Okay, right on. No, that's the thing. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't have a truck myself, so I got to find uh, either a nice uh, family member or mm. a friend of mine to borrow a truck for like a, an hour at least. Well, to I pick usually it up just pop the back seats down in my car and shove it through the trunk. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I man. used to have a truck, but then when that truck died, I ended up getting a car because it was cheaper. Okay. That's when California had the super high gas prices where it was almost four bucks a gallon. So I'm like... Yeah. I can't afford price in, in gas in a truck again, so I'd yeah. love to have a truck. I had a truck, yeah. God, from the time I turned 16 till I was, I had a truck for at least 10, 15 years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. It's uh, it's crucial, but yeah, no, I, I need to get my my uh, Christmas tree game up and going. <laughs> like I can ca- catch up with the rest of uh, everyone else here in uh, right. California. <laughs> But with that, as we're here to talk about Monday Night Raw, Monday Night Raw kicked off as the announcers ran down the cards for the show and let us know that Drew McIntyre will be teaming with his best friend, Sheamus, later tonight to take on The Miz and John Morrison. And then they introduced Alexa Bliss, who introduced Randy Orton for another edition of A Moment of Bliss. And we just saw this, what, less than a month ago. And, well, they're now really fully building up to that Randy Orton fiend feud. So Orton entered wearing just street clothes. Basically, he goes, I ain't wrestling tonight. I'm just going to be comfy, do this spot, and go. <laughs> he has basketball shorts on, zip-up hoodie, and he was just like, whatever. So yeah, I was going to say, it was a real easy night for uh, for Randy Orton. Oh, yeah. Like, literally, that whole segment, I think it was, what, less than 15, 15 minutes? And, yeah, in and out, they did their thing. Gone. Easy payday. Oh, yeah. So Bliss showed a replay of what happened last week. She pretended to be surprised that The Fiend got involved in Orton's match, but thought Orton would have a better idea of why this would have happened. Orton said he knows why, and he's known him for a very long time. Orton said that they used to actually be friends, but he's never met The Fiend. He says, I don't know The Fiend like you know The Fiend, and Alexa laughed. Orton says that he wants to meet The Fiend, and he wants to show uh, The Fiend some pain. And some suffering for what he did to him. Orton says he keeps everything bottled up inside so he can blend in. Orton recalled finding Wyatt's weakness years ago and burning it down to the ground. He also said that he may have found the fiend's weakness. And he looked at Alexa Bliss. Bliss stopped speaking like a child and stood up before, uh, before saying, Who's manipulating who? The screen slowly started to go to black. Bliss then uh, was suddenly in Orton's arms when the lights came on red and The Fiend was in the ring. Orton carefully handed the Alexa Bliss over to The Fiend as he said, hey, give her to me. And she like jumped, literally like jumped out of Randy's arms into her into The Fiend's arms. Orton got out of the ring, laughed, and was just like, yeah, who's laughing now? I thought it was all right. I mean, it could have been better, but it's like, okay. So it was Alexa what the Sister Abigail character was supposed to be before they ruined that when they said that Bray was Sister Abigail back in 2017? I don't know. Yeah, it, it's um, a little repetitive as far as, as you mentioned. We've seen the whole moment of bliss uh, played out already with Randy Orton. It's uh, For me, I, I did enjoy Alexa Bliss, though. I think she's been doing an amazing mm-hmm. job as this uh, sidekick for Bray Wyatt or The Fiend. Uh, you know, Harley Quinn to his Joker. I've enjoyed all that as far as her performance and like how she gets like really kind of like 
like psychotic like you know her facial expression her acting i've really been digging like she's really taking on this character oh yeah full on and i respect that like she's really embracing it my only thing was you know when the lights went red you couldn't really see what her facial reactions were so that was just one little bit of takeaway it's like you know this is a, a big moment right here and kind of can't see it like with the red lights really that necessary but i get it when the fiend's presence is there everything goes red but for Randy Orton, from a strategy standpoint, you know, he's figured out, okay, this current incarnation or current run of The Fiend, uh, a good way to get at him, his weakness is through Alexa Bliss. So it's going to be interesting how Randy Orton is going to, uh, I guess, attack Alexa Bliss or go after The Fiend by way of Alexa Bliss. So, yeah, very interesting. And I wonder if this is going to eventually lead to a, a TLC match of some sort. <laughs> Alexa Bliss on a pole match so they have to climb up and grab her. Bro, it's awesome, man. Bro, it's going to be great. Uh-oh. My Amazon Echo went off because I said Alexa. Let me mute that. Oh. That happens periodically when we're doing these reviews. Yeah, that's great. So the announcers plugged the upcoming Jeff Hardy Elias match and called it their final chapter. And I go, after this match, I said, yeah, it might be the final chapter for Jeff Hardy after that bump he took at the end. But with that, they had the Symphony of Destruction match. And they said this was the third time that Elias has done one of these. And I go, third? I only remember one. I don't even remember the second one he did. But they said this was the third Symphony of Destruction match. <clears throat> I remember the Braun Strowman one. Yeah. I don't remember a second one. I'm trying to think now. Who else did he have a If anybody in the with? live chat knows, let us know who that other one was. Yeah. Or were they just speaking out of turn? I don't know. I will say someone in WWE's creative must be a huge Megadeth fan because Megadeth has a song, Symphony of Destruction. So every time I hear WWE, you know, the commentators say that, I'm like, yeah, Megadeth. So that's, that's for me. I, I get a personal pop out of that from uh, my, my metalheadness pops can, through on that. Let's see if I can Google it really fast. Um, okay. So, yeah, the Braun Strowman one, that was great because I remember they took the big – uh, was it a che- is that what's called a cello yeah. right the big violin <laughs> and, you know braun used that chose feet of strength and that became part of his like action figure i remember that like uh one of his toys <laughs> the big cello was a, a selling piece and uh, uh i mean that was a great match with him and elias at the time um but yeah no this one when they said third time i was like yeah i, I was really confused of like okay so previous one Pizza King of WWE in the Twitch chat says Elias and Braun versus Nakamura and Cesaro. So he teamed with Braun against Nakamura and Cesaro. Now I vaguely remember that. And now I get the Nakamura joke with the piano during this match from commentary. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Speaking of that piano, early on during this match, R-Truth popped out of a piano that he was hiding in. And then all of a sudden, Eric of the Viking Raiders... Tazawa and a few others would run down and then Gulak would run down and take a back body drop on the floor. Uh, Grandma Malik would run down, get attacked by Elias. Elias then hit Lindsay Dorado with a guitar and Hardy hit Gulak with a chair. This led to a commercial break about three minutes into the match. Hardy tried to whisper in the wind, but Elias hit him with a guitar. Elias tried jabbing him with something i wasn't sure exactly what it was but hardy moved and elias jabbed a speaker and electrocuted himself and i'm like wait huh he electrocuted himself okay then hardy then hit him with a bass 
Uh, the big spot of the match, though, was at the end. Elias was laid out on a table. Jeff Hardy did a swanton from the top of the turnbuckle. Like, not just the top rope, but he climbed up another inch or two on the post. Did the swanton, but because of the limited room there with the ring steps, Jeff Hardy literally, his head landed on the bottom step of the ring steps. He went through the table and broke it with Elias and everything and picked up the victory, but it's like, oh my god. That looked scary. Very scary. That was, uh, uh, yeah, I cringe super hard seeing that because I was thinking, well, maybe Elias and the table absorbed most of that fall and just <laughs> Jeff's head just ended up there. No, look at the replays. Like, yeah, his head bounced off this, the bottom of that step. I'm like, oh, my God, that's like crazy. Just uh, you and I were talking off the air. It's like, OK, there's four corners. Could they pick any other corner to do that spot right. away from the ring steps? Maybe one of the sides that was on the hard cam side for maybe potentially a better camera angle. But I was like, oh, ouch. I mean, and then, of course, like on Twitter, all these different gifts and video clips of previous big swanton spots from <laughs> jeff hardy start popping up and i'm like god like you could easily do like a top 10 jeff hardy swanton spot right. in his wrestling career i mean the the one in tna was pretty legendary and all oh, the you know, one the, abyss yes yes i mean just uh, like on twitter it was just like oh my god the greatest hits of jeff hardy start popping up but and, and i, I know do yeah on twitter sean marsh apple fightful did state that all indications are that jeff hardy was fine after tonight's spot yeah, so I saw that too. Good. I was just gonna say real quick with the uh, Elias getting electrocuted. So as a '90s kid, I saw that. I immediately thought of Home Alone and Marvin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, sure enough, Phillips said it like two minutes later or a minute later. I was like, "Yes, okay." <laughs> like, like Phillips and I were, were on the same wavelength of thinking. Right. But when I saw that, I was like, "Oh my god!" It felt like Home Alone right there. <laughs> So the only thing I didn't like, I liked this match, but I felt commentary kind of took me away from it a little bit because there were certain <laughs> spots that they were doing and they were laughing. I heard them laughing a few times. I'm like, well, if we're supposed to take this all serious, like I think there was a spot with a tambourine that Joe was laughing at. And then I think yeah. somebody else, I couldn't tell who it was, was laughing when like Jeff Hardy got his head slammed into a symbol or something. Maybe it was. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know about laughing at some of the spots. It kind of takes the, the what's the word I'm looking for? The danger Intensity. out of it. When you yeah. think it's just a funny thing instead of a dangerous thing. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because, you know, in some ways, I mean, I guess it's a little comical because they're using instruments as right. a form of weapon. But at the same time, it, it, you know, it's more or less a hardcore match as far as they're using foreign objects to beat each other up with. A I hardcore mean, match I was, with rope breaks, as Jeff Hardy got to the ropes at one point. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. I saw him and I go, it's false count anywhere, but there's rope breaks. So could somebody, like, be on the outside and grab the rope in the submission or something? <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I hear you, though. Like, I mean, it, you know, it was definitely, you know, they're using objects and instruments on each other hard hitting. So... You know, it, it has the same intensity of a hardcore match, right. but but yeah, as you said, the rest were kind of uh, you know downplaying it and just making it more laughing at them going at. I'm like, nah, this is a grudge match, just the the final chapter. Like, let's make this a little more serious. So now the question: Will Elias finally admit that it wasn't Jeff Hardy that ran him over? <laughs> Thank you. So that was my thing. Well, one, by the way, 
I was shocked that they had a segment together on main event. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. When they played that clip, I was like, oh, my God. They, they did a part of the storyline on main event, and they yep. showed that highlight on Raw. When was the last time something from main event mattered? But also at the I same have no clue. time. Yeah, but then at the same time that they uh, uh 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 you know this is the final chapter. It's like okay, good. It's the final match between this program that they've been in. But at the end of the day, is Elias still think Jeff's the one that ran him over? Like that's the bigger issue why this whole thing started. Mm-hmm. So I would love some kind of conclusion, or maybe Jeff could finally say, "Man, like here, look, I got security footage from outside." <laughs> It was Seamus or whoever you know, under the hood who hit you. Not me, man, to fully wrap up the story. But yeah, right. I was a little little bummed out for that. So going forward, Riddle approached Keith Lee, who was warming up for their triple threat match. Riddle rambled on and on and on and on. And Lee was not amused by this. The camera zoomed in on Riddle, who looked away from Lee for a moment and kind of made an Austin Powers joke. When the camera <laughs> zoomed back out, he was just gone and not even there. He was kind of just like, like Riddle had this look on his face, like, "Okay, I'm by myself now. What do I do?" Like he just <laughs> left him. I was like, "That was that was actually more awkward than anything." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so next up, New Day plugged WWE shop, and then Mustafa Ali cut a promo with Retribution from the back. Ali wondered why Ricochet continued to try pushing the same boulder up the same hill every week just to have it fall back down on him. Promises made to him are just lies. He said, dreams, they're never going to come true. They're going to turn into nightmares. Slapjack then said that he was rejected, but Ali saw for saw him for what he was, a weapon. Ali warned Ricochet that he would face the consequences tonight against Slapjack. I thought the promo was all right. There was a promo by Ricochet after this as well. That they, the, I guess it wasn't after this but they referenced that it aired on it was like on social media ricochet's focus was to be better than ali in the ring and then he would prove that tonight he said ali is doing the wrong things good promo i mean ricochet always cuts good promos so yeah he's definitely getting better i mean i know he's not perfect on the mic but it takes repetition and so he's definitely getting better and i saw like on twitter a lot of people praising him for that so uh, you know, more from him if he wants to get better. But it's funny, you know, uh, Ali said, you know, pushing up you know, a rock up a hill and you ultimately you know, fall back down. That could easily be used on Ali and this whole retribution storyline of like, where where is it going? And listen, I know the majority of the Internet wrestling community kind of you know craps on the whole retribution storyline and you know rightfully so it's not been the most perfect storyline in recent memory but for Ali and to his credit at least he's trying to make it work at least with his promos he has passion he's speaking from the heart you know he, he he's been as far as like kayfabe goes when he does like appearance like on talking raw or something he's really serious about this storyline and what it means to him and his role as the leader of retribution. So I praise him for that. And he's doing his best to make this work. And that's all you can ask for. He's you know, try, trying to make the best out of this situation. As far as retribution, like I'm curious how long this is going to go for. I mean, I was really surprised that him and Ricochet had another uh, uh, segment tonight because it's been a few weeks since they referenced them. So I kind of thought maybe it was just dead in the water, but 
nonetheless, like I said, Ali, like I said, I, I, if anything, he has my respect that he's trying to make this work, this whole retribution storyline. Right. And speaking of Ricochet, Ricochet took on a slapjack. Ricochet had control early. So Ali summoned T-Bar and Mace from the back. And this match only went like three, three and a half minutes. Ricochet sent Slapjack to the outside and wiped out all three men with a dive. Dana Brooks suddenly appeared behind Ali and slapped him. This led to Ricochet fighting off interference attempts by everybody from Retribution as the referee just watched. Like, didn't even get dist- didn't even distract the referee. They just said, screw it, the ref's just going to stand there. Hopefully the camera doesn't catch it. Ricochet chased Ali from the apron, but Slapjack caught him and hit him with his finisher to pick up the pinfall victory. Yes, Slapjack pinned Ricochet, and then Dana Brooke just disappeared. It was, uh, I did like his finisher, though. I thought that was pretty cool, the yeah. way he used his, executed that. Um, but, you know, it's a little bit of, you know, 50-50 booking. Like, Ricochet lost here, but he won... Uh, oh no! Excuse me. I take that. Um, Ali beat him a few weeks ago. So right. I mean, for, I take that back. So for Ricochet, you know, he's a little bit on a losing streak. So it's like, where does he go from here? Does he does he take Ali's offer? You know, join Retribution? But I don't know if I really want to. I mean, Ricochet's a baby phase. Let him do his thing. I don't know. I want something better for him. I mean, he's just been so underutilized for such a long time. But you can say that for a lot of people oh, on yeah. that roster. But uh, anyway, you know, I just suck seeing Ricochet eat another loss like that in the last three weeks. So I don't know where you go from here. But at least from a continuity standpoint, cool. Dana Brooks slapped Ali for payback for a couple weeks ago when Reckoning took her out mm-hmm. and took her out from the, the Survivor Series team. So from a continuity standpoint, good on them from, you know, keeping up with the storyline. Thanks that we had Miss TV. Miz and Morrison introduced their guests tonight with Sheamus. They were very annoying, as always. I mean, that's their gimmick. They're supposed to be annoying. They basically tried to drive a wedge between Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Sheamus just laughed him off. Miss fired up and reminded Sheamus that he used to be a top guy. Now, McIntyre was the top guy. And Sheamus is watching from the sidelines. McIntyre, uh, no, McIntyre, Miz also called him a joke. Sheamus would then get serious, remove his jacket and his hat. And then he attacked both men. The numbers, well, they were too much. And Miz choked him from behind with the briefcase. Miz then used it repeatedly to attack Sheamus. And, I mean, it, you would think it was setting up the tag match later, but that was already announced. So, I don't know. They did this segment with these three guys. Then Drew got his own little segment before the match later on tonight. So, cool. It just kind of furthered along in people's minds of everybody thinks Sheamus is going to eventually turn on Drew McIntyre. When's it going to happen? So, we'll see. Yeah. Well, to, to add to that point as far as, okay, is Sheamus going to turn on Drew McIntyre eventually? He kind of has a little bit of a good reasoning as far as he was getting beat up and Drew McIntyre was nowhere to be found to help him out. So, you Very know, true. if and when that does happen, Sheamus could be like, hey, man, I was getting my ass handed to me by Miz and Morrison. I got beat up with the money in the bank briefcase. Where were you, man? And then later on the night when they were backstage, you know, Drew approached him, was kind of chuckling about it or just about the whole situation. So I was like, you know, if I'm Sheamus, I, I got some reasoning to be pissed off at my my, my boy here. Like, come on, man. <laughs> uh, but I like uh, Miz, you know, kind of 
uh, adding to the list of uh, previous money to bank holders having a, a big old dent <laughs> in the right. briefcase now. So I, I feel like uh, it's not a full money to bank uh, briefcase experience unless there, it's been used as a weapon and it gets like broken in and like a big old dent in the side of it. So uh, for the next few weeks, however long he has it for now, we're going to see this big old dent from it. And yeah, that was Seamus's back that was broken into it. <laughs> So next up, we had a non-title match. It was uh, Raw Women's Champion Asuka. I almost said SmackDown Women's Champion for some reason. <laughs> Raw Women's Champion Asuka and Lana taking on the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. So before the match, Jax told Sarah Schreiber that Asuka and Lana got lucky last week. Baszler reminded her that she was fighting Asuka while Jax couldn't even handle Lana. Baszler said that it was one thing to lose to Asuka but couldn't stomach a loss to Lana. Jack said that they would win tonight and put Lana through the table yet again. Lana and Asuka each tried to use baseball slides early on in this match, but were caught by both Jax and Baszler, respectively. Jax and Baszler then swung them into the barricade as we went to a commercial break, I want to say less than like 90 seconds into the start of this match. So Asuka tagged in Lana immediately upon return from the break. Jax cut her off er uh, early or easily and clobbered her with a forearm. Jackson Blazer worked her over until Lana managed to slip off of Jax's shoulders, shove her into, and shove her into the post. Lana then fell into her corner, and Asuka just tagged herself in. Asuka ran wild here on Shayna Baszler. They knocked each other down with kicks, so Lana tagged herself in. Lana had a flying crossbody, but Baszler rolled through and applied a careful to clutch. Asuka fought off Jax and broke up the cover by giving Baszler a shining wizard. Lana rolled over and Baszler rolled over on Baszler and pinned her. Yes, Lana pinned Shayna Baszler. Another shocking pin, just like when I said uh, Slapjack pinned Ricochet. Lana pinned Shayna Baszler. Man, shocker right there as far as Lana gained a victory here. So, as far as, I mean, listen, Asuka did the work. So, Lana, right. you know, as a babyface, claims. You know, uh, it's like everyone else did their homework assignment in the group project, and she just she gets the benefit of everyone else's hard work. So uh, it's interesting. So Asuka doesn't really have a contender for her championship. So instead, she's got this new she's gonna friendship with Lana and help putting her over as a babyface. I now? think she's going to team with Lana at TLC with the tag titles on the line. That's two victories in a row non-title. And. Lana has her history of going through tables, what, nine out of ten weeks in a row. So I can see um, like a tables match for those women's tag titles. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think this is where it's gonna be going. It's a little unfortunate for Asuka because I, I love Asuka. She's one of my favorites, and I would love to see like her take on a contender, but for the time being, there's not really anyone that jumps out as like a number one contender. So right. if this is just filler until like Royal Rumble season starts. All right, just to get through the month of December. Okay. Yeah. As long as Asuka's on TV, I'm fine. So as it was alluded to earlier, McIntyre approached Sheamus in the back. McIntyre seemed amused that Sheamus was hurt. He figured Sheamus had fun because he's a physical guy. Sheamus wasn't amused, but cheered up and agreed that McIntyre agreed with McIntyre that it was a bit of a fun little altercation. They were both looking forward to their match later on tonight. And then... We got to see the New Day. So the New Day came out. Kofi Kingston put over Xavier Woods for becoming the one of 
the new host of G4 TV. And I'm excited for that because when I was younger, I watched the <laughs> hell out of G4 TV. And now to see Xavier Woods on there, someone that is very, very passionate about video games to actually be a host on that show. And for WWE to allow some sort of a third party role here, that's what shocked me the most. The WWE allowed him to become a host of G4. Like, I don't know if G4 is going to be advertising on WWE and paying them. And so they go, okay, you can have Woods. Or if they're going to get a lot of free advertising on G4. I don't know. But I was shocked when I when I saw the news and go, huh, Woods can't go on Twitch, but he could be a TV show host on G4. Interesting. Because <laughs> he ain't doing that G4 gig for free. Mm-hmm. So Woods sincerely thanked everybody who helped this dream happen, who helped him and supported him along the way. Kingston asked Woods to recap the Hurt Business, repeatedly failing to challenge them for the tag titles. Wood did some play-by-play as they replayed some air, uh, aired some replays. I thought this was funny. Hurt Business would interrupt, though. MVP said that we're not, you know, you guys have not defeated us every time. Last week, in the countout, when you guys got counted out, we technically were the winners, but didn't get the titles because of the countout. John Benjamin said that they would have won the titles and hurt them in the process. Cedric jumped in the ring and got in Woods' face and told them that it was dumb luck that they were still the champions. So this set up an Xavier Woods-Cedric Alexander match right now. The match began during the break and Woods was in control when we returned. Woods tried a DDT, but Alexander caught him and dropped him over the top rope to take control. Woods came back with some chops, a forearm, clothesline, and an honor roll for a two. Alexander countered a powerbomb spot into a brainbuster and got a two of his own. Alexander went for a suicide dive, but Woods dodged and Alexander went into the barricade. Woods took too long to capitalize, so Alexander nailed him with a lumbar check and pinned him to pick up the victory. I thought this was a perfectly worked match by these two guys, and I thought that their chemistry was great. Everything was good here, but unfortunately, it's going to lead to Cedric and Shelton challenging for the tag titles again. Yeah, so uh, a couple things. I do want to say real quick, uh, I thought it was cool. Was it Kofi gave... uh, Xavier Woods' shoot name. Didn't he say Austin, oh, yeah, Austin Creed? Creed? Yeah. yeah, I was like, whoa. And I love how uh, Xavier Woods... Well, technically, uh, that's his work-to-shoot name because his real yeah, name is Austin Watson, but he goes by yeah. another thing's Austin Creed. But anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I like how uh, he plugged some merch and stuff and he gave the wink to the camera. Mm-hmm. So I-, I will say, as far as him going to G4, I'm kind of curious, yeah, how that whole deal worked out, especially with all the third-party Twitch stuff, Cameo. That's been a big hot topic for the last couple months. If anything, I'm glad WWE is letting him do this because if this can help bring in a younger audience, the gaming community or whatever, that's a smart move on WWE's part because we know with all the ratings, you know, going over like NXT and AEW, the big debates every Wednesday of who had the better demos and all that stuff. We know people make a big deal about the age brackets for the demographics. So, Xavier Woods being part of G4 in this capacity, I think that's going to be that's great for for WWE if that can help bring in a fresh audience for them, fresh eyeballs, and help just grow their community. Uh, but the match itself, awesome. I mean, as far as uh, uh, Cedric getting out of that powerbomb into that brainbuster, oh, so good. I love that spot yeah. right there. Um, but as you said, it's like, all right, so Cedric gets the win here. 
what's this going to lead to next week? Shelton versus Kofi, probably. And then something else is going to happen the following week. And it's just, it's going to be back and forth for the next few weeks. And it's going to be an eventual match at TLC. And I'm just early prediction. I'm guessing her business is going to win the tag titles and just get them off New Day. Just to really add some uh, credibility to the Hurt Business as a faction. So you have the U.S. champion. That would raw tag Raw tag champions. It makes them just much more of a stronger unit. But uh, And then, um, you know, with that being said about Xavier Woods starting G4, I wonder what's his schedule going to be like. Is he going to be not as busy or available for WWE? Well, I mean, well, the one thing we got to think about is... We don't know exactly when G4 starts back up. All we know is they're going to relaunch in 2021. And we also don't know what their protocol is going to be as far as if they're going to let everybody at work from home, if it's going to be a studio mm. thing. Kind of like, you know, like a lot of these channels similar to G4. Like, take Fox, for example, Fox Sports 1. When mm-hmm. the COVID stuff all happened, they told everyone we're working from home. And we saw a lot of WWE backstage from home. So mm-hmm. we don't know if maybe early on and maybe g4 just waits till they can have people in studio but maybe early mm. on he could just do content from home yeah well i mean listen at the end of the day wwe superstars right now work one day a week occasionally on sundays once a month for the pay-per-view yeah. they show up like so, the day before get their covid test and then they're good yeah so maybe the rest of the week xavier will be devoted to g4 but anyway what i'm getting at is i kind of wonder you know he might be getting a little more busy with these outside projects and therefore, this is a good time to take the belts off the new day since they might be kind of, right. you know, getting busy doing other things. And Kofi, you know, he's a little bit older now. So it might be a good time right now to get the titles off them so they can focus on their outside projects. And then the Hurt Business, who are there every week, can be the new face of the tag team division. Well, I don't think it's going to take him away from, like, being on Raw every week or something like that. Like, I I, I assume he's going to, in his contract, he's going to say something like, if there's a date WWE needs him, they got first call or something like yeah. that. Yeah, 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 that's true. And but, uh, like I said, yeah. I, I bet that, and and I'm from everything I've heard, when all this pandemic stuff is done and they can tour again, mm-hmm. house shows are basically done. Like they're not going to yeah. be four days on the road, so they can book him like his whatever show he does, and and it doesn't even have to be live. He can film his show on a Tuesday and it goes up on a Friday or whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah, they can bring true. him into the studios, and I don't even know. I would assume their studios are in L.A. because that's what they were before. Okay. So I don't know if they're still going to be in L.A. or if they're going to be somewhere else. But I would assume, I think their studios were in Their studios were either in L.A. I know they did a lot of work out of San Francisco before, too. Because San Francisco really? is like the hub for video game stuff. Really? That's where a lot of the developers are. That's like IGN, the biggest video game website in the world, is based out of San Francisco. Oh, man. I gotta yeah. go look for them. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know exactly how that's all going to work out. And like I said, we don't even know exactly when G four is going to start. They did their little mm-hmm. reunion thing for Thanksgiving, and that's been it so far. Yeah. So, uh, but nonetheless, I mean, like, I just my only concern with the New Day her business rivalry, I just don't want to be too long. Don't exactly. overstay its welcome. Because we saw Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza go on for months. And it was yes. like forever. It's like this one. Okay, I get it. You're building up the tension between the two teams. Settle it at TLC and then move on after that. 
that that's fine with me. But mm-hmm. don't make this drag out through January and and then that's you know, your th- that's the thing that's going to happen. Like you said, maybe Street Profits get the titles. Then you drag it till January with a new day saying we want to rematch a rumble. Oh, and then you man. gotta wait till the end of January. Uh, <laughs> take forever. Just come on. Just I, I, these storylines, you know, one and done, move on. You don't need to drag it out for multiple pay-per-views. And right. you get repetition every week on Raw or SmackDown, respectively. Just you know, one pay-per-view in this in the score and just move on. Uh Fonzie in the chat says that the G4 Studios is in LA. Mm, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Because I know they've done, uh, back in the day, they did a lot of stuff with IGN. Well, maybe not a lot, but they did a good amount of stuff with IGN, which was filmed up in their studio in San Francisco. But with that, Riddle approached AJ Styles and almost backstage. Styles told him tonight's match was something that you need to be serious about. Because it's a sudden death triple threat match. Not like an elimination triple threat match. Riddle said that he was getting the carrot tonight. Almost laughed about that. Styles didn't get the joke. Almost goes, well, he calls you Skipper, and his bunny rabbit's named Skipper. And AJ's like, wait, how do you know that? <laughs> Styles is super confused. And then he goes, wait, bunnies don't skip. What do you say? They jump. No, he says they hop. <laughs> they hop. So call him Hoppy. And Riddle goes, I can't. I name her Turtle Hoppy. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? Who is writing this shit? AJ made that segment. Like, AJ yes. saved it. Well, AJ saved a couple segments tonight. Yes. yes. So Riddle said that Styles, or the part Riddle, yeah. Oh, he said another thing like his bunny is that Styles has got hops. He literally goes, yeah, Styles, just like my bunny, you got hops, which means you jump high. Like he had to, he had to explain what hops means. You know, the demographic for WWE may not know what hops means. I know. He's like, you're both furry and you're cute. And Styles just shoved him. Riddle just goes, whoa, what was that for? And AJ stormed off. I'm like, that was another awkward Riddle segment. He's just the awkward guy that wants to start conversations with people. Aww. But this then led to a 13-minute triple threat match at the top of the third hour. Mm -hmm. So the match starts off, and Lee set up for a dive early on both men. Uh, Lee Lee leaped over both of them to get into the ring before giving Riddle a crossbody, and basically Samoa Joe called him a Buick with that crossbody. <laughs> He's like, because Tom Phillips goes, "It's a crossbody, but what do you call it, Joe?" He goes, "I call that a cross Buick." <laughs> Lee gave Styles a backdrop, a big backdrop actually, where AJ got hella hang time off of it. Like he was up like seven, eight feet up in the air. Styles briefly got some offense on Lee later on. Riddle took over both of them and hit a springboard dive to the outside. Riddle was all over both guys after a commercial break. He went for a senton, but Styles got his feet up. Lee whipped Styles into the corner, but he was so strong that Styles slid into the post right out of it. Lee tossed Riddle around the ring. Riddle tried applying a triangle choke, and Lee used Riddle's body to knock down Styles. Riddle did apply the hold, but Lee got out of it. Later on, Riddle gave Styles a German suplex in a pin for a two. Lee and Riddle exchanged hard strikes here. Riddle actually got the better of it with a knee strike, and Lee was down. As Keith Lee was knocked down, AJ flew in out of nowhere with a phenomenal forearm and pinned Matt Riddle 
to pick up the victory, win the match, and get a match against Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship at TLC. Awesome match. I loved loved it. That was super, super fun. I mean, there was another spot I missed that I didn't mention where it's like AJ and Riddle were fighting on the top rope. No, it's AJ and Lee, and Riddle grabbed Lee in a powerbomb spot and walked like halfway across the ring before even hitting it. Yeah. I mean, the other part, too, was, you know, Keith Lee had like his left arm down and Matt Riddle was all, you know, up on his mm. arm. Like he was like trying to put a, a, a arm bar on him, but Keith Lee lifts him up and then takes it. And almost like he, he was like Thanos with the infinity <laughs> gauntlet. He right. used it, swung his arm to hit AJ. So he, Keith Lee used Matt Riddle as a, as a weapon to take out AJ Styles. I hey, love nothing, that little spot right wrong there. with that. It ain't against the rules. No, it, it was great. I love that. So with that, AJ is now the new number one contender. But this isn't the last time we saw AJ Styles tonight. So Charlie Caruso interviewed Miz and Morrison. She wondered if they had a plan tonight. They rambled on for a bit, and she called them out on just rambling. She thought maybe they didn't have a plan. She didn't believe them, and Morrison said that he had an idea. So him and Miz left. We then got Dana Brooke versus Reckoning. Mustafa Ali was there as well. This match went, I want to say, two minutes-ish. Maybe a little bit over two minutes. And like when then the first like what was it? 10, 15 seconds, the mask just fell off a reckoning. A reckoning. And like, well, there goes that. Ollie tried distracting Brooke, but Brooke rolled up Yim and picked up the victory. Roll up victory. I don't even I didn't even write down any offense that happened other than the roll up, because nothing really did happen. And then after the match, Mia Yim's just there in the middle of the ring, and Ollie's yelling at her, saying that Retribution doesn't lose. And my first thought was, the first match you guys actually had, you lost. <laughs> Retribution doesn't freaking lose. Okay. Yeah. Made no sense. But but if this is to like say, you're a loser, we don't want you in Retribution, and then she's just me and Yim on the main roster, all for it. Because exactly. I've, I've thought for a while, her being the only female didn't work. Because all the stuff that Retribution does is with other males and other groups of males and her being there. It's like she can maybe slap the guys and stuff, but they can't do anything back. So I honestly think it would be better if she was out of the group anyways. Yeah. You perfectly summed it up. That's my thoughts too. When I saw this was one, like literally I saw the match start. I turned my head. I looked back up. Her mask was off. I was like, wait, did she take it off? Or, but then I looked on Twitter. Yeah, It was it that quick. Off. It was, I was like, oh, my God. And then I was like, you know, it was funny. Everyone on Twitter was like, oh, my God, it's Mia. Yeah. I mean, like, yo, we didn't know. I didn't know that. And then, I mean, it's not like uh, the freaking full hockey mask on Shane Thorne where you can literally say I didn't know. When it- yeah. Yeah. And so then um, but the, it was interesting. He said Mustafa Ali after she lost and the way he was just yelling at her yeah. it's like dude the, the male guys on the t- on on retribution have lost plenty of matches and you didn't exactly. get in their face like that so i thought in that moment she really was gonna like slap him and quit well uh, i thought this was gonna like fire her up and she was gonna run up the ramp after dana brooke maybe but she just took it yeah and so but i'm with you if this is like a quick way to get her out of the group somehow awesome and then just yeah. uh, and get her at back is just me again on the raw roster. Great, because as, as I said earlier, Oscar mm-hmm. needs more competition. So, and me again, so talented. Oh, I mean, I'm just yes. happy for her 
in general that she finally got a like, match on Raw. I know people get mad when someone gets brought up from NXT and they take a bunch of losses early, but I would be perfectly fine if she loses like two or three matches and that gets her out of retribution. Mm-hmm. I'd be perfectly fine with that. If she has yeah, to lose after- a couple matches just for Ali to finally say, you're not worthy enough. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So Absolutely. We'll see yeah, you know, I, anywhere. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. If this is a way to get her out and then that way she can just get a restart on yeah. Mia Yim back to her normal self on the main roster and then get her just involved in, in the Raw uh, uh, women's division, it'd be a great opportunity for her to take on maybe Asuka or some other people to get up to eventually Asuka at some point. Mm-hmm. We know how talented she is. So, it, it, it like you said, if this is a way just to kind of get out of the group, it makes sense because, you know, all the other storylines they've had involved with just other male competitors. So, when Mercedes Martinez left and Mia Yim was by herself, it just she just looked like the odd person every time just standing there and just being almost like a manager right. for their matches. So, if this is a way to get her, write her off from that too, I'm all for that. So in another segment backstage with AJ Styles, Miz and Morrison approached Styles and Omos. Morrison had a pie and told Styles it was a peach pie because he's from Georgia. Thought he might like it. Styles didn't want to hear anything anymore. But Miz said, hey, maybe you can help us out. We're going to try and cash in this money in the bank. And Miz go, or AJ goes, you know, I will help you. And Miz and Morrison were shocked that AJ said that he would help him. But then AJ used logic. The same logic that I thought McIntyre should have about a month ago. AJ said, of course I want to help you. Because it would be easier for me to beat you for the title than Drew McIntyre. Morrison, I love that. Morrison yeah. understood AJ's reasoning. But was like, okay. And Miz seemed annoyed by it. So was, as they were getting ready to leave, Styles goes, whoa, 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 pie. Leave the pie. And AJ's looking at the pie and almost goes, pie? That's more like a cupcake. I was like, okay. I agree with him. As a big man myself, I'm I'm six four, you know, three bills plus. No, for me, when I look at that, yeah, I see a cupcake myself. <laughs> so I'm all for that. Yeah, I can eat a whole pie by myself, or yeah, in in my hands, it's almost like a cupcake. So yeah, I agree with him. Good call. Good observation on his part. So in the back, MVP approached Riddle, which I don't understand why, because MVP basically said, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear any of your business opportunities. But then it's like, but you walked up to him. He didn't walk up to you and try pitching you ideas. Either way, Riddle started giving him some ideas and stuff. He was basically telling him that he wanted to uh, sell some weed with him, but called it weeds in his lawnscaping, landscaping. And he's like, if we get the munchies, we can get a, a deal with Dunkin' Donuts, some bro nuts. And MVP was none amused. U.S. champion Bobby Lashley comes in, throws Riddle into some equipment boxes, puts him in the hurt lock, and just lays him dead on the floor. I guess Riddle might challenge for the U.S. title. At least it's something. But from the way this segment went, MVP just going to kill him if they have a match. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who's writing this stuff, but... uh you know, for me at this point, I just gotta sit back and laugh at just the humor as far as how over the top and obvious these jokes are as far as trying to fit Riddle's personality. Yes. 
but but the big takeaway was yeah bobby lashley coming in there and start well real quick i did laugh when i guess riddle was trying to break mvp a second week in a row by going oh <laughs> mvp this i just pushed him in the face i love that he probably was like you know you're not gonna make me laugh again so maybe that's an ongoing uh little inside right. joke can he break him corpse him um so uh, uh but yeah bobby lashley coming in there and it looks like, yeah, it's going to set up a, a program between the two of them, which I'm all for. It gives Riddle mm-hmm. something to do oh, yeah. and for Lashley. But basically tonight was, hey, we're going to tell you that this Riddle guy's a stoner. <laughs> With all them segments, it's the way they came off, especially that last one. But... <laughs> With that, Charlie Caruso was in the ring, ready to interview WWE champion Drew McIntyre. I loved the fact that McIntyre comes out with a sword and Tom Phillips goes, that's the sword of his grandfather. That sword was passed down by his grandfather. And my first thought was, a week and a half ago, McIntyre did an interview and said, oh yeah, this is the sword that Triple H and Stephanie bought for Vince. I'm like, how are you going to come on TV now and say that this is his grandfather's sword passed down from generations? Does Tom Phillips not pay attention to what the superstars say he's told of- he's saying what he's told to be said it ain't his <laughs> coming up with this shit but literally mcintyre did an interview and said that triple h and stephanie were in scotland saw the sword thought it would be something cool that vince would like vince was then at raw two weeks ago when they did that world title match yeah. saw mcintyre with the sword and go hey ain't that the sword that triple h and stephanie bought for me because oh McIntyre was walking around with it at ringside before the show, and Vince recognized it as his sword. Oh. He told the whole story. I think it was in the Ryan Satin interview of Fox Sports. Oh, my God. So, so hey, for pal, them, that's my for them sword. to come on TV now and say that that's a sword passed down from generations from his grandfather, <laughs> they got to hope that people stay off the internet. Because... <laughs> He freaking told that story in the interview, and every other wrestling news site picked up that this is Vince's sword thing. Yeah. So, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I laughed pretty hard at that tonight. Oh, my God. So, <sighs> McIntyre said that it felt damn good to be WWE champion again. Sometimes you need to get knocked down on your ass to find out what you're really made of. McIntyre was a man of his word when he said that he would claim more Orton and regain the title. McIntyre also claimed that he was right when he said that he would bring Roman Reigns back down to earth. I don't think he did, though. He kicked out of multiple spears and said that he was unlike any man that Reigns has faced before. Well, I mean, he's faced Reigns before, so he is like a man that Reigns has faced before, if you want to really use logic. (laughs) Uh, He said Reigns only won because Jey Uso interfered. McIntyre warned Reigns that their paths will will cross again. And McIntyre will win this war. Charlie Caruso asked about Styles being the new number one contender. McIntyre had no problem with AJ getting the match. And he said that that match would be phenomenal. McIntyre told Miz, don't cash in tonight though. He said, that's the only thing that's keeping you relevant. I thought McIntyre was really good in this. As we moved on to Drew McIntyre and and Sheamus versus the Miz and Morrison. So Styles was on commentary. And Sheamus was in control of this match early on. He began taunting AJ, so AJ left commentary. Styles knocked down Miz. No, Sheamus knocked down Miz, who tried a cheap shot. Sheamus turned around to face Styles, but encountered Omos instead. The distraction allowed Morrison to drop Sheamus in the announce desk, 
which set up for the commercial break. Styles was back on commentary after the break as Miz and Morrison were working over Sheamus in the ring. Morrison yanked uh, Sheamus off the apron. No, yeah, Sheamus went for the tag. Morrison yanked, drew off the apron. And then Styles suddenly jumped into the ring, hit a phenomenal forearm, caused the DQ. Match just ends after nine and a half, ten minutes. So Miz and Morrison seemed annoyed by that, actually, because they ended up getting the loss. They were starting to argue with AJ. AJ told Omos to go get the briefcase because McIntyre was down. AJ then tries to cash in for Miz, and Miz goes, whoa, what are you doing, buddy? No, that's my briefcase. I can say when I cash in. And AJ just looks at him and goes, he's down, cash in. And they took too long. Morrison gets up. Claymore kicks Miz. There you go. After Miz hits him with a skull-crushing finale, he still gets up. So McIntyre wipes out everybody. AJ conf- or Morrison confronts AJ. Styles then gets grabbed by Olmos. Olmos is holding AJ up on his shoulder as he's walking up the ramp. And the show goes off the air with AJ. No, McIntyre yelling at AJ that he ain't taking this belt. What would you think of the match? I love it. I mean, you know, Sheamus taking the majority of the beating. And Drew McIntyre was waiting to get the hot tag. So when he came in, he came right out and said, look, I got a prop here. Comes out and he <laughs> claymores him. I love that whole segment. I love Drew McIntyre as a champion. As you can see, got my, my, my Drew shirt on. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it just, I like uh, the story that's playing out here as far as, okay, it's going to be Drew versus AJ as TLC for right now. And then Miz is still lurking, you know, as the third man brother, as far as he, he he's in the mix still. So even though he doesn't necessarily have his own, storyline going with a particular like uh, opponent he is still just lurking and at any moment he can get in there so i mean at the end of the day he's a much better holder of the money to bank briefcase more believable unfortunately compared to otis sorry mm-hmm. otis but so for right now it, it and and from a logic standpoint it makes sense for drew to be angry at aj styles already because it's like he sees Okay, uh, AJ is willing to try to take me out, so therefore Miz can cash on me and win the title off me, and then AJ can go after Miz. So he has reason to hate both guys because right. both are coming after him with their own intentions. And so, as far as uh, you know, building up some animosity between Drew and AJ, it totally makes sense. The motivation is there, so it, you know, I love it. It's very easy to follow in that sense. You know, as far as the the little threesome going on here between all three of them involved. So I loved it. The match, yeah, it was it was a little bit short, and you know it was more or less just to set the more of the the rivalry between Drew and AJ. But I loved how it played out, and you know Drew as a dominating champion was able to get up pretty quick and claim more uh, them, and therefore uh, Miz did not cash in. So we're probably going to get a lot of those teases over the coming weeks or months still. So. Miz, you know, like I said, he's going to be wherever Drew is. Miz is probably not going to be too far behind and, you know, potentially teasing the opportunity of uh, cashing in that briefcase. But I I love how this is all setting up uh, their program for TLC. Yeah, like you said, I I sent out a tweet right after this match. I go, I like how they actually made this personal now between Drew and AJ, where it's not just like AJ's the number one contender. Let's have the match. AJ Mm -hmm. did something to try and screw Drew, now 
It's actually personal, and Drew's got more of a reason to want to beat AJ's ass at the pay-per-view, not just, I want to defend my title. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. I, and you don't see WWE do stuff like that much, where actually I, make things make sense. Yeah, I mean, God, it, you know, it, it's a simple concept. I mean, Drew doesn't like AJ because AJ's trying to help Miz get the title off him, and then AJ as his strategy was uh, put out there earlier in the night. He knows it's much easier to beat Miz in his mind compared to Drew. So mm-hmm. no wonder he has, he has all the motivation in the world to help Miz out and get that title off him. So two on one, get the title off him, and then, yeah, beat the guy he thinks is more weaker. And, you know, Miz, I mean, sure, he's like, yeah, I'm going to use AJ. But at the same time, he was a little pissed that you think I'm weaker than Drew? So, you know, they <laughs> right? don't, I mean, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend it's in this situation. So. It's good. I, I, I'm digging this as far as, you know, get us through the month of December before Royal Rumble season starts. Who knows, you know, if and when Sheamus does turn on Drew, if that maybe more for Royal Rumble season, maybe, you know, for the month of January. So I like the other they got looks like they got some good storylines set up for Drew for the next couple months, which is right. fine by me. I, I love Drew as champion. And I forgot to mention right before Sheamus came out for this match, Keith Lee mm-hmm. came up to him. And it's like, everyone knows what you're going to do. You're going to turn on your partner. And I love how Seamus goes, all right, let me go out there and turn on my partner tonight. He like, <laughs> just acknowledges. He's like, okay, I'll go do it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I had to mention that earlier. But that was a, a nice little, like, they want us to think it. And I think they're going to try and drag it out as long as they can. Because the rumor right now is Royal Rumble is supposed to be Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre. Mm-hmm. So not even Seamus. I mean... Maybe maybe Sheamus wins the Rumble and we get Sheamus and McIntyre at WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there. I, I I hope. With that being said, I hope the powers that be, the creative, is planning right now what the storylines are long term for Royal Rumble season and the road to WrestleMania. Because I don't want anything last minute decisions. Oh, we're gonna make this pull the trigger on this person. I I hope they're actually laying down the foundation right now and therefore have this great long form storytelling Mm -hmm. that gets us really invested for the next four months. Right. But with that guys, that was Monday night raw. I want to say thank you for joining us here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW unlimited youtube.com forward slash pro wrestling unlimited. I want to thank Huey for joining us here tonight, baby Huey, where can they find you? Uh, you can follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash uh, baby Huey official Twitter and Instagram. As you see down there in the bottom line, baby Huey 83, uh, my wrestling podcast in the click. So please subscribe to us on Apple podcast, Spotify, Google podcast. We're on all the other major podcast platforms. It's like the big three. I like to reference. <laughs> um, you can email us in the click at gmail.com and yeah, subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Um, just a little for promoting. I'm going to rec- record an interview with uh, Montez Ford of the Street Profits this week. So hopefully get that out by Thursday, Friday morning at some point. So please subscribe and you get that notification once it gets out there. So uh, thank you for having me on. Thank you, everyone, for listening to me uh, talk some wrestling tonight, Monday Night Raw. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, the road to TLC that we're on right now. Awesome. Remember, you can follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash pro wrestling ULTD. Just search for us on Instagram, pro wrestling unlimited. And we're on Twitter at PW unlimited. I will be back here on Wednesday for the AEW and NXT review. So with that guys, have a great night and we will talk to you later. Have a good one.